From a studio high above the clouds of the Okanagan Valley, this is the Cannabis Podcast. Exploring the world of Canadian cannabis culture, one toke at a time. Now, here's your host and bud tender, Gary Johnston. Nope. Whoops. I, I think you may have caught me smoking a joint again. It's becoming a bit of a habit, I realize, but I'm glad you came back. And if this is your first time, well, I hope you realize you're going to be hearing a whole lot about cannabis over the next 30, 40, might even be a little bit longer today because this is kind of a special episode. So welcome and a special warm welcome for you if this is your first time. Let me remind you this program is intended only for those 19 or older in your jurisdiction and is intended purely for entertainment purposes. You should always consume your cannabis responsibly. Well, to mark the 100th episode of this podcast, I think I'm going to take a look at how it all started. Look at what some of those early goals were, some of the lessons we've learned together over these last 100 episodes. And in addition to that, Health Canada not likely to update the edible laws until fall. We have a story on that. I suggest it's probably going to be a lot longer than that. Some more reductions in the cannabis workforce from Flower and Aurora. A feature from the OkanaganZ.com where they're talking about where we're headed with cannabis tourism. Plus, because it's episode 100, it's kind of special. You know what? Not one, but two cultivar corners. 1964 Comatose and Flowers BC Spice Grape. Mmm, it's going to be a fun episode. All of that and more on the 100th episode of the Cannabis Podcast. Well, of course, I couldn't have gotten to this point without you. I mean, it would be rather foolish for me to sit down in my studio every week and put a episode of the podcast together and realize that no one was listening. <laughs> but I am extremely grateful, thankful that you are listening. And it's always difficult for me to assess how large the audience is. All the various measurements of counting downloads, trying to figure out determinations of streams and such, when it's spread across so many different areas that you can pick it up now, it's really difficult to figure out how large the audience is. But regardless of that, whether it's one, five, 500, 1,000, 500,000, I'm happy that you're here. And it's been a fun ride for me because every time you contact me to say, something about the the program that you have enjoyed or you appreciate what what we've done really makes me feel good makes me feel like the effort has been worth it and as an old stoner when you get recognition for something that you've done it's always appreciated <laughs> and speaking of an, an old stoner i guess that's how we came to be it's funny how things in life turn out isn't it where they where they come from and you try to assess the origins of something and you realize that it had a f rather dynamic road <laughs> to the achievement of starting this podcast and maintaining it now for coming up on four years. It started out just really as the idea to fulfill a Toastmasters project. I was still a Toastmaster at the time that uh, the podcast started, which was in December of 2018, just a month or so after legalization. And at that point, I was trying to fulfill one of my paths, and I was trying to complete it. And to do that, I had to pick a special project. One of the options was to do a podcast. Well, 
coincidentally, at the same time, because it was just around legalization, that's also when I discovered that my Toastmasters friend at the moment, David Wiley, was also very, very interested in cannabis and was starting a marijuana company called OkanaganZ.com. We'd been friends for a couple of years, but surprisingly enough, and this I find this interesting because it kind of heads to the whole stigma of cannabis, we had not connected and realized that we were both cannabis aficionados. <laughs> so we did in that month or so after legalization. I decided to start the podcast as my project for Toastmasters. He did a speech about his creating of Okanagan Z for Toastmasters. And on legalization day, I was the Toastmaster and I chose to make the entire meeting about cannabis and legalization. So that's kind of the, the genesis of where the idea for the podcast began. So, okay, came up with it. Let's do a podcast on cannabis. What the heck does that mean? <laughs> well, my original title, believe it or not, because I'm Canadian, and I was going to play on the theme, and that was Canucks on Cannabis. I made sure I had already reserved a URL for CanucksOnCannabis.com, played with it a little bit, and then started recording some episodes and realized that I might have a little problem with a certain hockey team that resides in a city fairly close to mine. I mean, Canucks has been a nickname for Canadians for many, many years, but I was worried that the hockey team was going to create some friction for me. And it wasn't ringing true to me. And then it was in a conversation which I detailed in episode number one, where I, my wife flippantly mentioned, it sounds like you're doing a podcast. And that's where the name, the Cannabis Podcast came from. A flippant remark from my wife. Once the URL was verified, uh, it then was a no-brainer. And it has lived in infamy. I did my original logo. I had taken a, a couple of small minor uh, graphics courses or, um, <laughs> yeah, and I guess design is what I'm talking about. I had taken a couple of those courses, so enough that I could kind of fake a little bit of a, of a reasonable logo to get started. And that ran with for probably about the first year and a half. And in that interim, as you know, if you're a listener to the podcast, my son Ian married his wife, Christine, who is a graphic designer. And she came on board and completely redid the graphic look of the podcast at about, I think, about a year, year and a half thereabouts. And wow, what a difference. So really professional logo now. I'm really proud to put that out on everything, on the stickers and on everything that is out there. And as as that artwork evolved, it was kind of about the same time that, that the podcast was evolving. Started out doing this once a week. Boy, was I eager. I was enthusiastic. <laughs> so enthusiastic and so eager. Figured I could put an episode out a week. Kept finding stories. Kept finding people that I could talk to. And then I started a full-time job. And once I started that full-time job, it became really difficult to put this together every week. Still a bit of a challenge to put it together every couple of weeks on occasion, but I'm still having a blast. And because I moved to that two-episode or, or bi-weekly episode cadence, that's why the, the numbers are slightly off. I mean, I should have hit, if I had started, kept going at my original cadence of an episode a week, 
I would have hit episode 100 in, what, my second year. Yeah, just, just into the second, just after the second year, into the third year. But here we are, in between years three and four, because it moved to a bi-weekly. That's why the episode numbers are kind of weird in terms of the sequence, and that's why we're hitting episode number 100 after almost three and a half years. It has been a fun ride, though. I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot about podcasting. I mean, audio production was something that has been in my brains and my my bones for years and years. I've been doing that for you forever, it seems. But to be able to take those skills and to put them out in the podcasting world and to incorporate those with having some great conversations. I've done over 35 interviews over the course of 100 episodes, over 35 interviews. And you know how many cultivar corners we've done? <laughs> well, first of all, remember, it started off as straight explain. That was what the first idea was. And I remember again, when I brought it up with my wife, that I was going to do a section of the podcast, then I was going to sample some cannabis, literally smoke it, taste it, experience what it is. And, and that was going to be a segment of the podcast. She said, nobody's going to listen to that. <laughs> I said, well, it, it might be odd. Perhaps at, at times it might be a little too intimate for some, but I think the whole experience of, of me experiencing the cannabis is, you've told me, a pretty key part of the episode. So sometimes the ideas come from out of left field and they work, and sometimes they don't. But as I was going, see, that was another one of those cannabis moments where I kind of lost my train of thought for a moment. The number of cultivars. 75 cultivar corners or strain explains have been done since we started this episode. So that's been almost one every episode. And I've been trying actually in the last, probably the last year and a half kind of change to make sure there is a cultivar corner in every episode. Even if there is an interview, that's why some of our episodes have extended into almost, uh, almost an hour. Initially they were just going to be, I was trying for that half an hour block, figured that was a nice sweet spot peace time. But then as you've experienced in some of the episodes over these last 100, some of them have expanded into almost an hour. And I have a sneaking suspicion this one might come close to that. But we'll see as we get there. It has just been a blast. I've loved the opportunity to share a whole bunch of things with you because not only have we shared a bunch of stuff about cannabis, but I've shared a lot of personal stuff as well. The birth of my granddaughter Fiona, who by the way, we're going to her third birthday in just a week or two. So that's pretty exciting. The marriage of my, as I say, my son Ian and, and his wife, Christine, my daughter, Sarah, and her husband, Josh, in Australia. And by the way, I might not have mentioned it yet, but she's going to have my second grandchild sometime in July. So it's been cool to share those things as well. It, it really makes you a part of my family. And, and that's pretty cool for me. It's been a blast. I've enjoyed everything that you have suggested in terms of what might happen with the podcast. That's why I started listing all of the links to all of the episodes. That was a listener request. Same thing with adding more of the stories of the cannabis use and, and my experience with cannabis. And, but it has been an absolute blast. I thank you for being here. I'm going to keep on doing this as long as I feel that it works and the audience continues to grow. I guess the next thing that I need to recognize over the fact that there has been so much growth 
and that is joining the PodConnects network and all of the great podcasts about cannabis that are in that network as well and the introduction of advertising, which has meant that there has been some residual income now coming in from the podcast, something I had dreamed of when I started, but I didn't think I'd actually hit that in the year three to four, and, and here we are. So it's been a wild ride, a fun ride for me. I'm glad it's been a fun ride for you too. It's, it's fantastic to be here at episode 100 of the Cannabis Podcast. Exploring the world of Canadian cannabis culture, one toke at a time. This is the Cannabis Podcast. And now a couple of stories on the changing cannabis workforce. The first on the Flower Corporation firing 40% of its workforce and agreeing to sell non-core assets as a cost-saving measure. The Flower Corporation completed a significant corporate headcount reduction, which resulted in $4 million in cost savings per year, as well as an agreement to sell a non-core asset for aggregate gross proceeds of $3.4 million. The company has completed a headcount reduction necessary in order to flatten its organizational structure and right-size SG&A with revenue. The company has eliminated 40% of its workforce, largely in senior and middle management, resulting in an anticipated annual savings of over $4 million. The company has entered into an agreement for the sale of 17 acres of agricultural property located adjacent to its primary facility known as Flower Forest for aggregate gross proceeds of $3.4 million. Flower Forest is not core to the company's operations, and the proceeds of the sale will provide the company with increased operating capital. Closing of the sale is anticipated for mid-August and is subject to certain conditions, including the completion of a satisfactory due diligence review by the purchaser. Tom Flo, interim CEO of Flower, stated, These cost-cutting measures and sale of non-core assets are vital to getting the company to profitability. Flower is a brand synonymous with quality, and we continue to believe that our model to provide premium cannabis products to the market while reducing overall costs will lead to success. And just as a sidebar, we will be tasting a little flower product a little bit later on Cultivar Corner with BC Spiced Gas. But Flower, not the only company to experience some reduction in labor force. Aurora Cannabis is cutting 12% of its global workforce as part of a corporate restructuring. The company said it identified additional cost savings worth up to 90 million Canadian dollars to support its path to profitability. Edmonton-based Aurora previously said it aims to turn its first profit next year. Today we delivered against the commitment that we announced a corporate reorganization that will allow Aurora to operate as a leaner, more agile and future-focused company, fit for success in the evolving global cannabis industry, a spokesperson said. Aurora continues to make substantial improvements to our business as we work through the phases of our transformation plan, designed to deliver shareholder value and secure Aurora's future as a leading global cannabis company. Aurora had 1,643 employees as of September 27, 2021, although the company said that figure is outdated as additional facility closures and restructuring has occurred since then. An updated figure was not provided. Aurora has been positioning itself to capitalize on the growing medical market outside North America, a different approach than taken by some competitors who are more focused on the diminishing possibility of federal legalization of adult-use marijuana in the United States, at least in the near term. We firmly believe that the cannabis industry over the next several years will center on the international medical and recreational markets, 
and have reorganized our business as a global network with the intent of sharing expertise and finding efficiencies in a coordinated effort to reach our shared goals, Aurora said in his statement. And that's a story from mjbizdaily.com, written by Matt Lamers. And previously that, the story about Flower Corporation, that was from benzinga.com. So still some changes in the workforce, in the cannabis world, and I guess that is probably never going to stop. THC, CBD, terpene profiles, what's in me? Oh, please explain to me. Cultivar Corner, Cultivar Corner, oh yeah. Cultivar Corner, please explain this stuff to me. On Cultivar Corner today, we are going to a different subsidiary from the Simply Bear folks at Rubicon Organics. They have a number of different divisions, and the one we're talking about today is 1964 Supply Co. Why is that relevant? Do you know the significance of the year 1964 in relation to cannabis? Think about it for a moment. 60s, what happened in the 60s? Oh, right. People started getting stoned. (laughs) Well, actually, they've been getting stoned for thousands of years before that. But in 1960, it was the Cultural Revolution. It was, in fact, 1964 when Professor Ralph Meshlam discovered the organic compound THC. Whilst it took nearly 60 years from its discovery to its legalization, the spirit of expiration has only grown stronger. And I think we can all attest to that. (laughs) Oh, yes. So, today, the spirit of 1964 is supplied by a team of pioneers who grew craft quality cannabis in the Fraser Valley of British Columbia. They actually said who grew quality craft cannabis. I decided to reverse the words (laughs) just because that's in my nature. You can go to the website, find all the details, but more importantly, we're going to show you the details. I, of course, have shot some video of the bud to get to see my new scale. I splurged and spent, I think, 20 bucks on a new scale. The other one was just a little dingy and actually it stopped working. And, of course, anytime we're doing an evaluation of cannabis, we have to measure, right? This came in a little overweight, which was really nice. Not exceptionally large buds. That's kind of about one of the biggest buds that's in there. Uh, But, nonetheless, oh, very, very fragrant. And what are we going to find in our, let's just go one step further into the products page in 1964. And it looks like I chose the French, oh no, (laughs) I thought I had chose the French version, but it's just the top half of the page is French. This is the dried flower organic comatose. And yes, you're right. If you think this is probably some uh, indica, (laughs) the lineage on this OG Kush and I always love these ones, unknown. What's that mean? (laughs) What are we to take away from unknown? (laughs) Uh, frosty, dense flowers is what the appearance is going to be. As I pull out that, again, this is probably one of the bigger buds that we have. And I pull out my jeweler's loop and take a gander at her. See if we see any vast trichome fields. It is pretty frosty when you get down there with the jeweler's loop. Not really to the naked eye. Not a whole lot of it popping. But when you dive deep into it, oh yeah, lots, oh, lots of amber. And one thing I noticed as well when I was breaking this up, so if I break that butt up, drop her onto my table, 
I can actually pick it up. It's pretty sticky. Haven't had a lot of sticky weed for a while. And as you see, that just sticks to my finger. Quite sticky, which is always nice. I don't mind a little stick in my cannabis. <laughs> I don't know if that's something we're going to be grading in the future. <laughs> now back to the relevant uh, facts and pertinent details. Once more, they're putting lots of detail on our labels. So this is organic com comatose, 1964, 28.7% THC. FEOPA organic certified. What was the package date on this guy? Packaged on... No, you're hiding it on me? No, it must be back in the front. I must have missed it over here. Package date... I don't see a package date. Unless it's really small fonts now and buried in some other technical detail. Wow. Shouldn't there be a package date on here? I'm, I'm, tri I'm tripled, quadruple checking because I don't want to be inauthentic here. No, I, there's, there's not a package date on this. Oh, yes, it is. See, I just didn't look farther. They buried it into a new place on the label, packaged on April 26th. And they give the lot number, which is very cool. I'm sure you can go to the website, check the COAs. Uh, 426, so April 26th, roughly uh, just about three weeks from the day we are consuming this on Cultivar Corner. The aromas, earthy and citrusy, appearance, frosty, dense flowers, uh, total terpenes, 4.11. And do they list the actual terpenes? Why do we always get disappointed by these minor details? So let's take some guess. Uh, earthy, thinking perhaps a myrcene, and citrusy, maybe a little linalool, or not linalool, um, limonene. That's what I'm thinking. Do they tell us on the website? Yes, they do. Ha, 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 ha. Okay, so I was wrong. Farnesine, which is kind of a sweet and, and fruity one I've, I've found. Caryophylline. That'll give you some peppery notes and spicy and limonene. So we knew limonene was there from a citrusy. I'm really surprised, surprised that there's not a significant amount of myrcene in here, considering this is supposed to be a heavy-duty indica. I think it's time we find out. I've got the joint ready. Let me get the vaporizer all heated up. So it's ready for that second part of our taste evaluation. And here we go. This is... 1964 organic comatose THC sitting at 28.7%. Oh, wow. Lots of taste on the inhale. Definitely earthy. And then I guess a little bit of that Citrusy on the exhale. Mm. Oh, very smooth. Not harsh at all. Oh, yeah, I really like that. And as you can see by the ash, nice gray ash, firm. Probably going to drop that off really easily. And yes, dropped right into the ashtray. Oh, here come the happy eyes. 
ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Sometimes I wish there was a bell that went off when you felt certain things. Time to move to the vaporizer. As you see, the Crafty Plus is a glowing green. Let's see what this tastes like. Wow. There's a little bit of that candy note that I'm I'm thinking is coming from the Farnesine. A little bit of sweetness. Lots of those earthy tones. And definitely some citrus notes on the exhale. Hmm. Yeah, definitely happy eyes coming on. Someone at work had a chance to give this a, a go before I did. And suggested it was a pretty heavy indica. Meaning that deep body stone, deep body relaxation. And I can sort of feel how it might be leading that way. Oh, as I say, the taste is quite delightful from the joint. Much more flavorful from the vaporizer. If you haven't done yourself a favor yet <coughs> and given it a herbal vaporizer a try, I know there are some that say that they don't feel they get as good a high off of it. I think that's just a bit of experimentation. You, you got to play around with how deep and, uh, and, and hard you toke off of this because it's not the same as a joint where you, you know, immediately get that effect. You do have to play a little bit with it, but once you get it, way worth it. <laughs> I've been thinking that it might be time to get another volcano. I burned through two of them already in my lifetime, but it's a pretty significant hit. So I think I'll make the Crafty Plus do for a little bit longer. Well, we can thank Dr. Ralph Melchalum for discovering the THC molecule and somewhat after that, the CB1 and CB2 receptors, which unlocked the whole endocannabinoid system, which is when we suddenly discovered that we as mammals have an uncanny connection to this lovely plant called cannabis. We've got receptors all over our body, just, just waiting to take it in. <laughs> and once you learn that, the whole concept of, of it being evil just kind of drops out the window, doesn't it? I wish more people could discover this magical plant. Sure, there are things that, that cause problems for certain people. Some people shouldn't be doing it. I'm not suggesting that it's good for everybody. And in fact, I'm not endorsing it because this program is for educational purposes and entertainment purposes only. But <laughs> still, I wish that more people could discover this beautiful plant and the, and the wonderful feelings it brings to our body and to our mind. And it just makes life a a whole lot more enjoyable. Like right now, I'm, I'm having a rather good time. <laughs> and I'm glad you're along for this ride. I think I'm a fan. 1964, organic comatose, total terps, 4.11 with farnesine, caryophylline, linoline, and THC sitting at 28.7%. <sighs> I think I might be going down for the count. From the Cannabis Infused Studio in the Clouds, this is the Cannabis Podcast.
And to mjbizdaily.com for another story, and again, written by Matt Lamers. Canadian marijuana companies awaiting a potentially major regulatory overhaul that could pump new life into the country's fledgling-infused beverage market will have to wait a bit longer. Canada's Federal Health Department told MJ Biz Daily that proposed changes to regulations that would effectively increase the amount of cannabis beverage consumers could purchase at any one time by more than eightfold are not expected to be ready until fall at the earliest. Some businesses had been hoping the proposed change would be rolled out before summer, but the government now says that won't happen until at least the fall. I can't think of any stakeholder across the cannabis supply chain, from producers to retailers, that would be pushing back against this regulation, Paul Weaver, head of cannabis at Boston Beer Company, told MJ Biz Daily. And Paul Weaver, of course, was a guest on the last episode of the Cannabis Podcast. As far as regulation changes go to cannabis in Canada, the hanging fruit doesn't get any lower than this. It's a pretty straightforward fix that everyone wants. It would have been great to have something in time for summer. This is really the first summer where cannabis beverages are starting to have an opportunity to shine. Currently, the equivalency rates for cannabis possession limits in Canada mean an individual can possess only 2.1 liters or 71 ounces of cannabis-infused beverages or about five standard-sized cans, like my key fruit beer here. In March, the government proposed increasing the dry cannabis equivalency for cannabis beverages so that one gram of dried cannabis is equal to 570 grams of cannabis beverages, a much better equivalency. That would have the effect of raising the public possession limits for cannabis beverages for an adult to 17.1 liters or 48 standard-sized beverage cans. Now, wouldn't that make a whole lot more sense? Health Canada is in the process of analyzing the results of the public consultation to inform the development of the final regulatory amendments. After the analysis is completed and the final regulatory package is prepared, Health Canada said it will submit the proposal for consideration by the Treasury Board and approval by the Governor and Council before it comes into force. It's not anticipated that this will be completed before fall 2022. Boston Beer's Weaver welcomes the progress. There is movement on it, so that's encouraging to hear, he said in a phone interview. Weaver expects the new rules, if implemented, would be good for businesses such as his. By expanding how many beverages an individual consumer can buy, the most passionate beverage cannabis consumers can use that format exclusively, as opposed to the need to augment consumption with other form factors, or coming into the dispensary once a week, Weaver said. The new rules would not change the maximum limit of 10 milligrams of THC per container. Canadian cannabis producer Tilray Brands wants to be able to sell multi-packs of beverages with various flavors, but such an opportunity would require a further change to the regulations. This would help promote better sales of beverages in the legal cannabis industry, as consumers could purchase a mixed pack to sample various flavors offered by a licensed holder, according to the New York-based company's submission. The government is also proposing to allow researchers to use Good Production Practices, GPP, compliant cannabis rather than solely relying on Good Manufacturing Practice, GMP, compliant cannabis. Since a relatively small percentage of Canadian cannabis is produced according to GMP standards, that would mean more supply is available for testing. If you've been hoping that your ability to buy more than two or three cannabis drinks and walk out of a cannabis store is going to happen this summer. It's not going to happen. And my suggestion is it's probably not going to happen now until 2023. <laughs>
This kind of reminds me of the glacial pace of our cannabis stores opening when legalization started. Now we're experiencing a glacial pace when cannabis regulations need to change. And my thanks to the folks at theokanogonz.com and especially David Wiley, the author of this particular story. And this is about people not happy with the stinking Vernon. <laughs> Cannabis grower Avant Brands is causing a stink in Vernon. The city has received 23 complaints about intermittent cannabis odor from the company's new cannabis production facility from nearby residents since January. The 60,000-square-foot facility is currently the largest cultivation facility within Avant. The city says it's been working with management at the Avant Grow operation to bring it into compliance with zoning bylaws, which outlaw nuisance odors. The production facility is in the process of upgrading its air filtration system to mitigate the cannabis odor to ensure they align with Health Canada's odor control requirements for the indoor commercial production of cannabis under the cannabis regulations says an administration update from the City of Vernon. Bylaw compliance continues to monitor the situation and, should the filtration system not be effectively upgraded to address cannabis odor concerns, bylaw compliance will proceed with progressive enforcement of zoning bylaw regulations. The company is behind pot brands, black markets, and Tenso. Bylaw compliance has also reported the odor issue to Health Canada for follow-up and has requested a file update from Health Canada Compliance and Enforcement to ensure compliance with indoor commercial production of cannabis odor control requirements as per cannabis regulations. Complainants have also been encouraged to consider reporting their concerns to Health Canada's online complaint system for follow-up by Health Canada Compliance and Enforcement, say city staff. The 3PL JV Cannabis Production Facility on Cosmina Road was licensed in 2021. The venture was formed in 2018 between Avant's wholly-owned subsidiary GreenTech and F20 Developments. Apparently, if you're growing your cannabis, you better learn how to control the smell, or the people living around you may not be too happy. And we're going to stay with the Okanagan Sea for our next story, and this is a one special to the Okanagan Sea. And the author of this is Michael O'Regan. And the headline? Next Amsterdam hasn't yet emerged in cannabis tourism. Legal cannabis consumption rose in the U.S. and Europe during the COVID pandemic, with some people turning to cannabis to help them cope with lockdowns and broken routines. Meanwhile, fewer people today view it as harmful compared to previous decades. These factors may have contributed to a trend towards cannabis-related tourism, with destinations developing new holiday products to tempt customers and rising travel bookings to destinations where cannabis is legal. But there are risks for both destinations and tourists in embracing this trend. Work by MMGY Travel Intelligence found 29% of leisure travelers are interested in cannabis-related tourism. A study by the Dutch government revealed that 58% of international tourists choose Amsterdam in order to consume drugs. And business in Dutch coffee shops has increased since the start of the pandemic. Nine months after Illinois legalized recreational cannabis in January 2020, nearly 30% of purchases were by non-residents. Thailand has just announced it has legalized cannabis and is hoping this will boost tourism. The tourism sector and specific destinations have reacted quickly to the demand for cannabis, hemp, and CBD-related products by designing experiences that include those elements. They are also responding to the expected economic potential related to increased hotel occupancy, tax revenues, increased land values, business expansion, jobs, 
and public health and safety benefits that could be connected to cannabis sales. Yet although tourism to other destinations with legalized cannabis is growing in popularity, data is only beginning to be collected. And so far, no destination is ready to be labeled as the next Amsterdam. While cannabis-related travelers are believed to be high-spending and well-educated, authorities don't want to replicate the Dutch model, which led to massive concentration of cannabis coffee shops in Amsterdam and raised concerns over hard drug use and criminality. New business models are focusing on agritourism, meet-the-farmer sessions, and culinary tourism and events such as cannabis festivals. Tourists can choose from farm tours, bud-and-breakfast hotels, city tours, cannabis festivals, cannabis trails, food, wine, and marijuana pairings, ganja yoga, and packages that combine accommodation and cannabis experiences. The potential for cannabis tourism is widespread around the world. More than 19 U.S. states and Washington, D.C. have now legalized recreational cannabis, along with Canada, Mexico, Uruguay, and others. In Europe, Luxembourg allows the consumption of personally cultivated cannabis, while Switzerland is trialing cannabis sales from pharmacies for recreational purposes. Malaysia and Thailand have made initial steps toward legalizing recreational use. Costa Rica and Morocco have also approved legalization for medicinal purposes. However, few countries have clarified the legality of cannabis use by tourists, with legalization directed at recreational use by residents. This means tourists risk breaking the law unintentionally by interacting with street dealers and police, as well as the health implications of consuming real and fake drugs. There is some evidence cannabis can improve some mental health conditions and provide pain relief. But tourists with pre-existing mental health disorders, for example, may risk their physical and psychological well-being. Cannabis-related mental health events, including depression, can also occur among those who have not been diagnosed with mental health issues. A patchwork of complicated laws and regulations regarding recreational cannabis use by overseas tourists means questions remain about the legality of consumption, the transport of cannabis vape pens overseas, as well as issues of insurance coverage and health care during and after travel. While Uruguay is planning to allow consumption by tourists, countries like Portugal, where cannabis has been decriminalized since 2001, still doesn't allow them to buy it legally. In Spain, Cannabis clubs allow visitors to donate to the club instead of purchasing a product. But Spain and other large markets like South Africa are focused on domestic cannabis tourism rather than international visitors. Few countries have carried out a cost-benefit analysis around legal cannabis and tourism or fully discussed issues of land and water use, police powers and benefits to local communities. Mexico and Canada have promised funding for indigenously owned businesses to aid social and racial equity, while New York plans to create a $200 million public-private fund to support social equity goals. Resident support and continual conversations with communities on how to plan the sustainable development of cannabis tourism should be a vital part of development of the sector. And the author Michael O'Regan is a senior lecturer in international tourism management at Swansea University in Wales. Have you dreamt of some cannabis tourism in your future? I know I've kind of toyed with the idea with my wife of heading off somewhere with a cannabis destination in mind. Let's hope we see that sector explode in the future. THC, CBD, terpene profiles, what's in me? Oh, please explain to me. Cultivar Corner, Cultivar Corner, oh yeah. Cultivar Corner, please 
explain this stuff to me. On Cultivar Corner today, we are going pretty local. In fact, this has grown just a, oh, maybe about 20 kilometers from where I'm sitting right now. <laughs> the company is Flower, and they have come out with some, now they've had their BC Pink Kush for a number of years, I guess, since legalization started. They were one of the first. Everybody really likes their Pink Kush. They've come out with some new strains. In fact, let me tell you what the, those strains are, because there's three different ones that they are uh, concentrating on. There's BC Lemon Ice, BC Mango Melon OG, and BC Spiced Grape. Guess which one we're doing today? Might be the last one. BC Spiced Grape is what we are taking a look at today from Flower, the Flower Corporation. This is boasting dense, light green buds with fiery orange and yellow pistols. Well, you know what I do. I always test the marketing against the product. <laughs> now, let's take a peek with my jeweler's loop and see exactly what we have here with the BC Spiced Grape. Okay, I'm seeing a lot of red pistols. Orange? No, a lot of orange. Not seeing a ton of yellow. Okay, I guess there's a little bit of yellow there. But more importantly, what are the, what are the trichome fields we're looking at here? BC Spiced Grape. I always want to say gas for some reason, but it's BC Spiced Grape from Flower. Uh, on the top of the buds, there's not fast trichome fields. Now, let's comment on the bud. So, uh, attractive buds, average size, not huge buds. There was maybe, a, now, I, I do have pictures of it, which you're going to see beside me here, but it's not the full load. <laughs> I did sample this first before I actually have done this cultivar corner. So to get to the point here, looking at the bud, fairly well trimmed. There was a couple points on probably two of the buds here that there was some pretty big sugar leaves that I thought could have been snapped off. Something I've been checking lately in my bud too is, is it, does it have some cush? Does it have some sponginess to it? Does it stick? Is it sticky weed? <laughs> And so, obviously, in that big, huge bud that I had, it was not going to stick. But let me try something smaller. Okay, so there is a bit of stick when I break up the bud. Now, the aromas, let's carry on with their description. So, sprinkled with trichomes that glisten like copper. Okay, now here I am. I'm going to have to test that one again. <laughs> I always have to test these marketing statements and see how accurate they are. So, now this was trichomes that glisten like copper. Uh, <laughs> sometimes marketing hype just doesn't live up to the reality. <laughs> there are some trichomes here, but where they came up with the description of trichomes that glisten like copper, I think they were stoned when they wrote that. <laughs> what is this made up? Well, there has been a lot of what's been called Z-Splitter out there. And guess what? This is another variation of that theme. This is Skittles and Atom Splitter. The cross features an aroma that balances fruity sweetness, a little bit of spice, and a touch of diesel. That's my first comment. I was expecting more aroma. And perhaps I was expecting that because my chirps, well, when we talk about the chirps on the website, oh, interestingly, on the website, they don't actually list the chirp percentage. They do give the chirping profile, and I'll talk about that in a moment. I was also given some other information by Flower, and there they talk about the terps being around 
Uh, total terpenes for this product being 3%. Mine came out at 2.96. All right, uh, maybe I'm <laughs> splitting hairs there, but 2.96 is not 3%. <laughs> and here's the other piece that I found interesting. The total terpenes listed on the website are different than the terpenes that are listed on my bottle. The terpenes on the website, the terpene profile, caryophylline, farnesine, and limonene. And this will come back to the flavor aromas that we're talking about. On my bottle, it's beta-caryophylline, alpha-farnesine, and linalool. There is no limonene listed. And that could explain why I'm not picking up a lot of fruitiness and, and a lot of citrus. There is some spiciness there. There's definitely a a hint of the grape, certainly not as bountiful as, what was it, Organic Craft Platinum Grapes we tried a little while ago, where the grape just bit you as soon as you opened up the jar. This, mm, a little disappointing in that regard, not quite as pungent as I was hoping, but let's see if it hits as well as we were hoping. So again, this is from Flower. It's BC Spiced Grape, a cross of Skittles and Atom Splitter. The aroma, a fruity sweetness, and they say freshly squeezed grapefruit and quisp and quisp. <laughs> Let me get the mouth working. Freshly squeezed grapefruit and crisp tropical citrus flavor. Not getting a lot of that grapefruit. There was definitely some gassiness, especially as I split up the buds to roll the joint and to put it into the vaporizer, which I should get it warmed up. There was definitely some uh, a touch of that diesel that they talked about with a little bit of a gas finish, but I'm not getting that grapefruit in, perhaps because my jar does not have any limonene, or at least nothing on the bottle or on the jar that indicates there's limonene there. I suppose there could be some. What's the intent of this weed? And that's something that I think more should do. What are you hoping to accomplish or achieve or do underneath the umbrella of this weed? So for Flowers BC Spice Grape, they are suggesting relief uplifted and relaxed. Well, the relief of pain I'm suggesting, uplifting, perhaps getting a bit more focus. And maybe that's my happy eyes we're going to be talking about. <laughs> and a little more, more relaxed. It is an indica-leading hybrid. And the THC, now they say the range, uh, plus or minus 3% over 26. Did that make sense, the way I said that? <laughs> they say their THC range is 26% plus or minus 3%. And what are we at? Well, see here again, the math just doesn't work out because if I was to take 26 plus or minus 3%, that would take me to 23%. I feel a bit ripped off. I got 22.5%. <laughs> so I got shorted on the total terpenes. I got shorted on some of the THC. Let's see if the combination of the entourage effect with BC spiced grape gives me the hit that I'm looking for. The Crafty Plus is warming up. Let's have a hit of the joint and see what it does. Pleasant taste, smooth, not harsh, not making me want to cough as some weed has of late. And as we look at the ash coming off that, nice and fluffy, nice and weight, not seeing any concerns there whatsoever, drops off really nice. And lo and behold, the Crafty Plus is also ready. So Gary can begin his traditional two-fisted toking. And put flowers, BC spiced grape, 
to the true test. Let's see how it tastes. Hmm. There's some of that grapefruit. Hmm. Some of the diesel. Yeah. Yeah. Some of that. Just a hint of pepperiness. On the exhale. Uh, maybe a little of that grapefruit on the exhale or perhaps some diesel or vice versa. Let's go back to the joint. Hmm, very smooth. It's nice not having to jump through a coughing fit in the middle of Cultivar Corner. So thank you for that flower. BC Spice Grape, not quite the bountiful aroma that I was hoping for or expecting, uh, I guess because my chirps are 2.96 and not 3%, that's not going to make a significant amount of difference. I was hoping for a little bit more. Now, again, the buds are very attractive. Good size, good coloring, a lot of those orange hairs, a, a little bit of the yellow. I didn't see the vast trichome fields that, again, I was hoping to see. Like when I hold that up and I look at it with my naked eye, there's... There's virtually no trichome sitting on the top of that bud. Of course, if I looked at it with my jeweler's loop, I would see some of that. Uh, and do give uh, creds to the fact that when I did break the bud up and got down to a little smaller bud, it did stick to my finger rather well. Uh, obviously, the big bud itself is just going to drop like it is. And where are we going with the endocannabinoid system? And its adoption of this THC at, and we haven't covered off the exact THC. Oh, yes, we did. 22.5%. There's actually 2.0 milligrams of CBD in this guy, too. Very touch, very small amount. But the traditional flower, dark blue glass jar, always appreciated what they've done there. They're carrying on that tradition. Working on a bunch of new weed. And that's always a good thing for anybody who's in the cannabis space. <clears throat> and is Gary getting high on the BC Spice grape? It's not a wallop in the face. It's not coming right up at me and smacking me. <laughs> oh, of course, I just smacked myself. That hurt. Just a, a word of warning for yourself. Don't smack yourself. It, it really doesn't pay off in any, in any stretch of the imagination. Okay. I guess you can tell by the fact that I'm rambling a little bit that there is some THC intoxication going on. Not translating into happy eyes, but I often find that with the indica-leaning hybrids, the happy eyes don't necessarily present themselves. It's more of just that euphoria that, that I enjoy, that, that I love being high feeling. <laughs> and even without the happy eyes, there it is. It's it's kind of settling into the body, which is kind of nice from the indica perspective. Oh, oh, and there's a bit of a head rush through in there too. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's a bit of body tingle going on. I'm liking it. I'm liking the feel of this. 
And as they say at the end of their statement, the Zindica leading hybrid could be perfect for kicking back after a long day. And that's precisely what I'm doing right now, kicking back after a long day. Are you doing the same thing? Maybe you should pick yourself up some flower BC spice grape and you can experience that kickback in the same way I am. To recap, <coughs> did I push it too far? <laughs> and there you go. See now with that bit of cough, that just took me to the next level. And I don't know if you experienced the same thing, but I do quite often when I'm in the middle of a session. And if I do get a coughing fit, it seems to, I don't know whether it kicks the THC right through the receptors and, and says, here, push through. But I, I, I'm feeling a little bit higher now. So in retrospect, uh, very attractive buds. Uh, it was right on weight, even though the pictures that you may have, have seen displayed with that show that it wasn't, but that's because I'd already smoked some of it. Attractive buds, well cured, reasonably well trimmed. The trimming crew could do perhaps a slightly better job, but yeah, they're doing their best, I guess. Smokes well, rolls up pretty well, has a lovely taste in the vaporizer when you get a taste of that. Some of those grapefruit notes come through. Mm-hmm. And at a THC of 22.5%, perhaps I got a little ripped off of what it's supposed to be. But nonetheless, I'm fairly happy with BC Spice Grape. Keep up the good work, Flower. Let me once again thank my supporters. I really appreciate your support each and every month. It means a whole lot to me. If you ever have a comment on anything you hear in the Cannabis Podcast, please send a note to info at CannabisPodcast.com. And remember, if you like what you hear and you'd like to support the Cannabis Podcast, you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash Cannabis Podcast. And if you feel like it, you can buy me a doobie. That's it for episode 100 of the Cannabis Podcast. From the cannabis-infused studio, high above the Okanagan Valley... This was the Cannabis Podcast. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. How do cannabis CEOs balance growth and optimization strategies? What is THCO, Delta 10, and CBNA, and why should you care about these minor cannabinoids? And why is an endocannabinoid system covered in medical school? Most people think they're up to date in trends in the cannabis industry, but they're about six weeks behind. Learn about what is truly next in the cannabis space by joining myself, Brian Fields, and Kellen Finney every week on the Dime Podcast and, of course, on PodConnects.